Welcome back to another episode of the Ben James Show. I'm just here in my house in Bali. And I figured I'd do a podcast because I'm a digital nomad. And I like the sound of my own voice. And I think I've got good opinions about things. <laughs> that, that should be actually, that should be my, uh, my intro. Someone make this my intro. This is the Ben. This is the Ben James show. My name's Ben James, and I'm a digital nomad, and I live in Bali, and I like the sound of my own voice, and I have opinions on things. Welcome. Because <laughs> I fucking always suck at like intros, so that may as well be it. It's probably better than any of the other shit that I say. What do I normally say? Welcome to the Ben James show. I am Ben James. See, I can't even fucking remember my name. Ben James. Ben Kelly. Ben James Kelly. Anywho, so let's get to it. Another short form uh, podcast. I hit up my Instagram stories and I asked, asked the single ladies if they have any questions for myself around men in dating. Now, I was single for six, seven years uh, before I uh, met Paola and in the relationship that I am now. Really good at it. Really good at being single. Loved it. Uh, obviously have a lot of experience. Seven years is a good chunk of time. Traveled the world, dated a number of different people. Amazing people. had incredible dating experiences, but I also learned a lot about myself in that process. Some of my patterns, why I did the things that I did, um, and brought some light to some of the unconscious behaviors that maybe I didn't necessarily realize before. And I had one come through from the amazing Anastasia or Anastasia, however you'd like to, uh, however your name is pronounced, Anastasia, Anastasia. And the question was, why do guys date someone when their mental health is bad and then blame you for the split? Mm. Now this kind of, I guess, filters back into a little bit of... Um, the podcast I did a little while ago with attachment styles. Okay, now this is obviously still super relevant to women and men. There's there's women that are going to do the same things that I'm going to mention in the podcast. And I've got some notes here. Just some quick notes that I jotted down. And um, a lot of them do filter back into um, attachment styles and obviously things that maybe happened in the past, right? Now, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, that have got, uh, you know, their, their mindset or their... their the health of their mind is maybe not the best at the time. Maybe they're just, you know, their mental health isn't necessarily the best. Um, they've got a lot of stuff going on, right? And again, with a lot of a lot of the things that we do as humans, especially when it comes to when it has to do something it has to do with something like this. I think for me, obviously, a lot of time people really want distractions. People really want to medicate. Going deep and sitting with difficult emotions is very challenging. It's very challenging. We're always seeking a way of being able to avoid sitting with our difficult emotions, right? Through, you know, medicating through substances or experiences or people through, you know, binge eating, lack of eating, drug addiction, alcohol, sex addiction, gambling, uh, all these different types of things. Hum a phone addiction, Right? 
checking constantly the phone, sitting with with the difficult emotions that we have in a difficult thought process. It's really, really challenging, and it's superhuman to want to try and uh, fill the space um, that would be taken up by having to sit with ourselves. Now, lots of uh, forms of addiction or codependencies are built from an inability to be with oneself and an inability to be with one's own thoughts. And when you've got a really ruminating, self-debilitating thought pattern that's on a circular, uh, like I said, ruminating uh, contingency, it's really easy to just be like, I'm going to avoid this. I'm going to place people in in the scene. I'm going to distract myself. All those sorts of things when really what they need is to be able to sit within it, find people around them to be able to sit within it, but also not be a distraction. Right, so I only want to speak a little bit to that, but the big part that I kind of want to focus on is the blame you for the split. Now, again, with dismissive avoidant people or people that have somewhat of a dismissive avoidant um, uh, attachment style, or even especially like a fearful avoidant attachment style, is perhaps that they've had a parent in the past that has maybe or people, even just people in the past, another relationship perhaps, that they've had someone in their relationship avoid, um, abandon them or reject them. And just the same with it within bullying, if you're being bullied at home, your parents are bullying, your siblings are bullying, it's better to then be the bully than to be the victim when you go back out in school, right? I don't wanna be the victim, I'm the victim at home, I'm gonna be the bully at school because if I'm the bully, that means I'm not the victim, right? And the same can sort of be in a sense for um, uh, abandonment or uh, rejection. It's much easier when we have the fear of abandonment and rejection to be able to be the one that isn't at fault and avoid the self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, not even avoiding it, but creating the, the end of the relationship that we ultimately fear, but on our terms. So we... People with dismissive avoidances are always looking for ways to be able to hang the relationship, right? Through little petty things. And typically the reasons that they give for the, for the reason as to why they're ending relationship or they're blaming you for the relationship is rarely ever the reason. It's the same in sales. When people give you an excuse as to why they don't want to buy your thing, it's rarely the reason. The reason is really underlying. They give a really surface level um, reason and hopefully you just take it on board. Right, so with people that want to hang the relationship and find little bits of things to make your problem, it, it allows them to avoid layering more shame as to why they're the problem. It allows them to escape from uh, the reoccurring of a sense of abandonment or rejection, right? And especially if someone's got a parent that they carry shame around that maybe did bad things within their relationship. Let's say you like, I'm a man and I have a father. And my father cheated and my father um, did this and did that and whatever. And was you identify as him as being not a good, uh, uh, you have shame around the way that they behaved. And in turn, you've gone, well, I don't want to be like that. You've, you're starting to deny, denying these aspects of yourself. You know, you're not wanting to, you're wanting to correct it. And you're not wanting to be what that parent represented to you, which was, um, the, the villain in this scenario, right? So people don't want to have, have shamed a, a parent for what they've done. 
they don't want to identify as that within themselves. So they'll go to work to go and find something that's wrong with the other partners to alleviate them from potentially being the villain in this case. That is a possibility. Again, there are so many variables, there's so many life experiences, there's so many reasons as to why this, these things play out. That can obviously be one of them. The real main thing I kind of see within that is obviously the attachment style, the, maybe the fear of abandonment and rejection um, and wanting to hang the relationship to avoid fulfilling the villain uh, uh, archetype or whatever they've created in their head that they really don't want to become, that they fear becoming through a parent that they've ultimately shamed through whatever behaviors that they've had, right? It can also be, and, and what leads to this is an inability to go deep, um, an inability to communicate, um, an inability to take ownership. And as we're seeing in these days, it, everyone really wants to try and put the onus on everyone else and blame everyone else. So it's like we see it with a lot of social, um, social commentary and social issues that people are talking about. No one wants to take re uh, responsibility for their emotions. No one wants to take ownership. And ultimately taking ownership and responsibility means ultimate, ultimate power. And a lot of people just don't want that. And we see, it, we see that manifest in a lot of different ways, right? To take responsibility for what's coming up for you and being able to verbalize it and communicate it with, without feeling guilt and without feeling shame is a really uh, difficult thing for a lot of people to do. But when you've integrated a lot of this stuff, you've become secure, you're able to verbalize and share your fears, share your insecurities, share things that happened in your past and work through them. And surely enough, the people that you're with if they're secure enough, are gonna be able to respect you and love you and feel even more intimate with you for the fact that they've been able to communicate those things, right? So again, a lot of the times when relationships fall or uh, uh, honesty is lacking or truth hasn't been spoken, it can boil down to two things. Either I don't think you're gonna like the real me if I speak the truth or I'm honest, because again, the truth subjective everyone says i'm speaking my truth like uh, their truth whatever like they're speaking whatever's honest or they fear or they don't think you're strong enough to hear what they have to say they so they're the two reasons but people aren't honest and if they do not want to entertain those two things they'll either deviate around it uh, minimize it, create different sorts of um, reasons as to uh, that, that seem easier for you to hear to be able to navigate out, right? So, and, and also one thing that I've kind of noticed I want to talk to as far as reasons as to that are, that are contributing to people hanging relationships and, and nitpicking and going to find things that are wrong with their partners to allow them to feel like they've got a good enough reason to and the relationship that ultimately avoids running the risk of them being abandoned or being at fault or being a villain or being rejected. And a lot of it is, buoyant. we've seen the effects of beauty standards on women, but what about the, beauty, the effects of beauty standards on men and their expectations of women? Now, one of the best things that, and this, this boils back down to like lust and infatuation, right? Lust and infatuation is like built from very little knowledge, very little data. You know very little about the person. You have this ideology, you have this representation um, of what you want in a partner. And because you get a little bit of info online, especially online, 
you get a little bit of information online, you start to create and fill in the pieces with what you want that person to be. And you create this fake, false, very limited uh, creation of a viewpoint of a person, creating halo effect that's been built from very little information whatsoever. And that creates lasting, that creates infatuation. And we've seen that with sort of like the body types of women is that guys are seeing these smooth butts, these, you know, not having no cellulite, um, no blemishes, all these sorts of things, right? And they're then looking at their, maybe their partner and being like, well, you're not like so-and-so who's online who looks like this, their butt looks like this, their skin looks like this, right? And guys, I, I think this is kind of a, a place where it's, it's, it can be damaging to guys in their perspective of um, unfair expectations of, the, of women and women's bodies and how that affects their relationship and if they're using that as a way to um, falsely um, downplay their relationship and create these false expectations on women that allow them to well, uh, use as a reason, again, to go and navigate our relationship, make it their fault, make it their flaw, that's the reason, right? Now, one of the best things that ever happened to me, um, and again, it comes from living in a place like Bali, there was times when I was single, especially, I used to lust over, uh, over um, women I saw online all the time. I used to be infatuated with some women, and you, you start to piece it, it's like, oh, off of very little information, you'd be like, oh man, I wanna be with that person. Off of what? Off of what? You don't know what they're like. You don't know what the personality is like. You don't know what their wound is. You don't know what trauma is. You don't know what bullshit they, like, they've got going on. You don't know. You, you, don't, you know very little, but then we create this ideology around them and they're like, oh, the, shine, the sun shines out their ass. And the best thing is, is like I have lived in places like Los Angeles and, and Bali where I've been able to meet people that you know, have this strong online presence, good on social media, good social media skills, probably not the best social skills, and I've met them and it's all washed away. Like everything's just sort of washed away. The lust and infatuation, it's like, it goes away and the expectations start to really shift. You stop lusting over people that much. You stop being infatuated um, and having, and realizing you, and you, you have very little information, right? And that's like a big part of what beauty standards can do and affect um, guys. And I'm just lucky at the fact that I've been able to meet so many people that I once maybe infatuated or put on a pedestal or, did all these things and met them in real life and and either dated them or uh, met them and after so many times of being so wrong and 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 having my expectations let down with people that are used to being infatuated that i built this ideology around online did it just drift away and did i stop in fact being infatuated with people and building uh this uh false viewpoint of other people that all I've gathered from is what they present online. Did I, did the reoccurrence of that exposure drifted away where I'm like, yeah, but yeah, they're this online, but there was always like a big, but that kind of then washed it away. And when you've had enough exposure to that, you, you, you become grounded and you're like, oh yeah, that, that person's really attracted, but, and you stop filling in the space of all the, things that are left out online that can only be exposed, you, it, it, you, that can only be um, received through in-personal relationships, actually meeting people, actually being with them. So for me, I think a big part of um, women's beauty stands these days 
is not only affecting women, but it's creating a false ex expectation on women for men in heterosexual relationships. And again, for people who are dismissive avoidant, they don't need much to want to try and hang the relationship and try and be able to get themselves out of it, especially in the points where it's requiring them to go deeper, to, to be able to go more intimate, to go past that honeymoon phase where it's more challenging to become more intimate. Maybe they've been people that have uh, been able to have fleeting, relationships that have been full of passion, full of intimacy, uh, full of vulnerability uh, in the beginning stages, but just haven't been able to go deeper beyond where that like first initial high energy, high passion sort of phase is um, an easy place to be able to function within, right? So there's some of the things I've seen maybe answering your question, Anastasia, Anastasia. Sorry if I'm pronouncing either of those wrong. Um, and also just a little bit on what I think are the uh, the what filters into men's minds, especially if they're a dismissive avoidant or sort of looking to hang the relationship and the effects of uh, social media and women's body standards and beauty standards that are filtering into men's uh, perception and false perception of reality when it comes to women. So guys, uh, tune into my Instagram. I'm always asking questions like this. I'm always looking for inspiration to create content and to be able to talk. Um, as I said, love the sound of my voice. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, yeah, my voice isn't actually too good for radio, but anyway. Um, yeah, join me over on Instagram, underscore, underscore, uh, Ben James, underscore. Um, I'm always in, in Insta stories kind of talking about different social constructs and uh, social issues that are going on. I uh, love talking to you in there. So guys, join me over on there. Uh, leave a review if you've enjoyed this episode and I will see you next time. Cheers.